Welcome to Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt, Race Car Radio's podcast for business owners, entrepreneurs, and aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm David Hoffman, and your voices of reason are Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the least wonderful time of the year, tax time. And this year especially, there are lots of new rules and regulations that have the potential to trip you up as you're filing for your small business. That's why our guest today is CPA Joe Romano of Romano & Associates PC, who's going to give us some highlights and lowlights so we can all be prepared for April 15th. Good afternoon, everybody. Good Good afternoon. afternoon. Hello, Mike. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So uh, our guest today is Joe Romano of Romano Associates, and you are you are a CPA, correct? Yes, sir. And it is it is the beginning of March now, and all of us have taxes on the brain. Tis the season, and so we're really excited to have you here because over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of tax overhaul changes coming down from Washington that uh, have been either much heralded or derided, depending on which side of the aisle you sit, sit on. <laughs> and, uh, and I think all of us as small business owners are really curious to know what does all of that change mean for us? What, how is this year going to look different than last year in terms of our tax burden and, and the filing process and all of this stuff? So what, what do you think are the main bullet points that uh, small business owners need to know about what's new and different this year? A great question. Um, this year, more than ever, in speaking to clients, they have heard something. They may have heard the right thing. They may have heard the wrong thing. We are just seeing a huge amount of bad information out there. Uh, and when they're when we're doing their tax returns, having to educate or re-educate or assist people um, as to what is really going on with their taxes. So this is a big, big year in tax planning. One big thing that you you may or may not have heard of is when people, uh, as far as flow through, if your profit is under 157500 single, 315000 married filing joint, if your income is under those numbers, you end up with a 20% tax deduction. Well, can you just hold on a second? Sure. There are terms that I've heard Pass through and flow through. Mm-hmm. Are they the same? Same thing. Okay. So maybe just hit, hit us one more time on that. Yeah. So uh, I think that most people are really very interested in that pass through. Right? right. So the, uh, the barrier of, uh, of S Corp, LLC, sole proprietorship, those are flow throughs or pass throughs that on the entity level, the entity's not paying any income tax. The profit is flowing through to you on the individual level, and you are paying taxes on the individual level. So flow through, pass through is the, is the same thing in essence. Now on the individual level, when you're filing your individual income tax return, if your profit is under 157 or 315, you're getting a 20% deduction. Right. But what about other deductions that you might be taking out or have taken out in the past? Itemized deductions. Well, that's separate. You still have itemized deductions, and we could get to that in a second. But as a a profit flowing through to your individual, you're getting a 20% reduction in that profit. Okay, so let me take a scenario for a moment just so that. So you've got an LLC. You have revenues of uh, $250,000. Okay. Okay. And um, you get a K-1, right? 
And when you get that K-1, which basically takes that $250,000, and there are business expenses. So those business expenses go against that $250,000 of revenue. Right. And let's say, so the revenue minus the business expenses is now $200,000. That's what you get issued on a K-1. Correct. Okay. okay. Now you're going to file your, private, your, your individual return. Right. What happens? So now, and, and let's say that your wife works, and she makes $50,000, and she's a W-2. Talk about that scenario. <laughs> Making it tough for it's, me. It's, it's not, and by the way, this is not <laughs> personal. I'm going to have to do math here. Um, no, but, but what I'm saying is that now that, that 250000 less 50000 expenses, 200000 on the K-1, another 50000 uh, from W-2. So now your tax return is $250,000, right? Right. And there's now the 20% pass-through. So the, right. So there's the 20% pass-through. You're under three fifteen. On that $200,000 of income that you have, you're getting 20%. But on the flow through, the $200,000 flow through, you're getting a 20% deduction. So that, in essence, that $200,000 of income reduces to $160,000. And that now, $160,000 and, plus the fifty, plus, so is now it's two ten. Correct. Uh-huh. Exactly right. From that $210,000, now you're entitled to take either your itemized or your standard deduction. And that'll give you your taxable income that you'll pay income tax on. Let me give you a caveat, though, with this, because it gets to be interesting uh, from a tax planning perspective. If you are in a business um, whereby you're considered uh, a specified service business, uh, accountants, attorneys, brokers, uh, professionals, for the most part, are looked at as specified service businesses, once they hit over these limits and add 50,000 for single, add 100,000 for married filing jointly, once they hit over those limits, it phases out and they get no benefits whatsoever. There's no 20% deduction once you hit a dollar more than that. A dollar There's more than what? Then either uh, 207,500 or 415,000. So it starts to phase out. On a, on a specified service business. There's no 20% on the amount over that or on any of it? On any of it. Wow, that's bizarre. Well, David, you don't have to worry about don't that, Don't make do that you? much money. <laughs> no, I don't think so, but it's fascinating. So if, you get, so if you're a lawyer, and, and so what are examples of some of these things that are specified services? Attorneys, accountants, uh, real estate brokers, uh, stock brokers, financial planners. Um, business consultants? Business consultants, absolutely. So tax planning comes in as far as saying... How do we reduce, and we did this a lot in November and December, how do we get under these thresholds so that we can qualify for the 20%? Otherwise, once we go over this, we've lost it all. So it comes out a lot lot more tax planning. We did an 18, and we're going to be doing a 19 to help people reduce uh, in the service businesses to get under these numbers. Because if I'm hearing you correctly, if you're in one of those specialized services businesses, your bottom line is going to be better if you made... $207,500 $207,500 than if you made $207,600, you'll actually end up with less money. Well, so let me backtrack a minute on that. Between 157 and yeah. 207, it starts to phase out. So it's totally phased out at 207. I see. It's not so a hard under, line. under 157 is where you would want to be so that you get that full 20% benefit. This is why, now, you, guys, this is why you guys make a lot. <laughs> should I tell you what my worst class was in school? Taxes? Ma- math. Math. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
<laughs> hey, calculator does it all. That's very good, Joe. Um, so a special, that's a specified service business. With any other type of business, sir, if you're in construction, restaurants, you name it, any other type of non-specified business, once you get over these thresholds, you're still entitled to a deduction, maybe entitled to a deduction, let me backtrack that, because that 20% is for the first up to these numbers, once it kicks over that, now you're looking at di a different set of circumstances. So the different set of circumstances are that you're adding your W-2 wages into a potential deduction. So you take 50% of your W-2 wages or 25% of your W-2 wages plus a, a percentage of your fixed assets. So. Now there's a possibility that once you go over these threshold numbers, so you have 500,000 of profit and you are an S corp, they're looking at 50% of your W-2 wages. Well, if I have no W-2 wages, I get zero deduction. So it's potential that I may not be a specified business, I make more than that and I still end up with zero deduction. This is why we refer yes. people to Joe. <laughs> I have, Welcome I have to uh, insanity. Oh God! So, in that, there must be some gray area sometimes about whether somebody would fit into that service business category. For instance, just to take a hypothetical example randomly off the top of my head, let's say you you have a business that produces videos and podcasts for uh, <laughs> small businesses and nonprofit organizations. And there, there's an aspect of what you do that is producing a product for them, and there's an aspect that's consultancy. I, I'm sure there's a lot of people who are in that thing where there's a deliverable, but you're also there's an, an itemized Absolutely. for giving advice. There's there's going to be this is the first year. There are going to be the IRS has come out with regulations on it, um, but. It, people, I'm sure there, there's going to be a gray area as to are you a service business, uh, are you not a service business. There's also going to be, here's another one for you, what if you and I are partners in a service business, but you're not involved in the business, and your accountant doesn't ask you what your business is about, they may take the deduction uh, without really knowing or not take the deduction. I think there are going to be a lot of errors this year that are going to be done by by professionals and, and um, by non-professionals in, in, in preparing their tax returns. I think uh, it, this is going to be a, a year, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens. Far be it for me to ask you to um, divine the motivations of uh, our fabulous lawmakers. <laughs> But why in the world do you suppose they pulled out this handful of types of businesses for special treatment? What was the thinking there? So I think, and, and I have not read up on this, I think the, the thought behind this, and I may be wrong, but is on service businesses that are not labor intensive, that don't have a lot of cash requirements for investment, uh, for, for running their business, they're not giving you that benefit of of that twenty percent deduction once you've reached these thresholds. It's not um, investment intensive to be a consultant, a business consultant, to be an accountant. Um, so I don't have a large amount, for the exception of the payroll, the people that work for me. I am not buying materials. I'm not buying equipment. I don't have a huge amount of like with a restaurant that I'm buying uh, items and I'm buying inventory. I don't have any of that. So that's why I think they carved out 
the specialized, uh, the, the specified service businesses. Again, I may be wrong, but that's just my, my own opinion on that. Um, are there any new rules about what expenses are and are not deductible as a business owner? The biggest one that we've seen is entertainment. So entertainment now is no longer a, a deduction. So if you're taking somebody to a baseball game, the ticket to the baseball game is no longer deductible because that's entertainment. But if but you buy them the hot dog. It, that, exactly. Meals are still deductible. But so if everything is combined in the form of entertainment, that you're buying a package to a, an event, that is, none of it is deductible. But if you're breaking out the ticket, the ticket is no longer deductible, but the food is deductible. Could you call the ticket a cover charge for the meal that you're serving there? <laughs> you can call it whatever you want. The IRS may not agree with you on that. You know, people have asked, clients have asked, can I call this marketing? Can, is there anything I could do? Yes, you can. The problem is that the IRS may not agree with you on these things. So uh, we are not, we don't advocate being aggressive with something like this. Um, really, if it's in the form of entertainment, it's just not deductible anymore. In your experience, what's the likelihood that a small business with a sub S or LLC will get audited by the IRS? I just read somewhere that it's less than 1%. So the likelihood of that is minimal. And, and people always worry about this. This is a great question. People always ask, what, should I be concerned? And, and so the answer is, if you're not doing anything wrong, you're not doing anything illegal, so what? Don't worry about it. Uh, it it's part of... Our, our structure that the IRS is there to look at businesses to make sure that you're doing things properly, that they're not, that you're not doing anything, uh, that, that we, they're keeping people honest. And so they're, an audit is really an examination to review your books and records and to make sure that you have everything done properly. Less than 1% of businesses get audited. So if you're not doing anything, if you're not making up expenses, if you're not evading taxes, you have nothing to, to worry about. If they do audit you, you have your receipts. You know, it's important keeping three years of receipts, whether it's digitally, whether it's on paper, you have to keep that. And in this day and age, you know, people are always asking another question is, is my credit card statement enough? The answer to that is no. You need the backup receipts for those statements because if you get audited, the IRS doesn't know what that receipt is for the or that expense is for they want to see the receipt so keep it digitally it's not a difficult thing to do anymore it, it becomes less and less and with software taking a picture of your receipts and keeping it digitally their technology has made life so much easier so there's nothing to really be concerned with and if you, you do get audited getting the advice of an accountant a good accountant to help and represent you it's nothing that people need to be worried or concerned about. There's a lot more to come after these brief messages. Ah, welcome listeners. I'm Austin, Senior Vice President of Applied Transduction and Crossfading here at the Ambient Sound Observation Deck at Racecar Radio's Rainforest Preserve. And we couldn't be more excited to tell you that Mind Your Own Business is being sponsored by Audible, the world's biggest and best provider of audiobooks. And guess what? You, our wonderful listeners, you can get a free audiobook by signing up for a no-obligation 30-day trial by going to audibletrial.com slash myob. 
and you can choose from any one of their amazing collection of audiobooks. Huh. It looks like we're getting a call from Matt on the book recommendation line. Hey, Matt, is that you? Yeah. Hey, good morning. Now, what book are you recommending today? Well, um, I really love the Walter Isaacson uh, audiobook about Steve Jobs. Steve uh, Jobs really is one of the geniuses of our time. And I really I listened to it while I was exercising, and I really didn't want my routine to end even when I was exhausted from uh, the workout. It, it's a great, great listen. Oh, thanks, Matt. And again, that book was Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson and narrated by Dylan Baker. And that's just one of an amazing collection of audiobooks that you can choose from. Just go to audibletrial.com slash M-Y-O-B to sign up today for a 30-day trial membership. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash M-Y-O-B. If you're enjoying this show, you might also like some of the other podcasts on Race Car Radio. For instance, try London's New York. Tour guide, historian, and socialist agitator Dan London takes you on a deep and opinionated trip through some parts of New York City that are a little to the side of the usual tourist trail and through the extraordinary, rich, and divisive history of one of the greatest cities in the world. I guarantee you it's a view of New York City that you've never heard before. Listen and subscribe now to London's New York at racecarradio.com. Now back to our Tax Time special with our special guest, CPA Joe Romano. Right, and I, I think I remember, I think from your presentation, uh, that you now can run your business on a cash basis to $25 million? Yes. Uh, so we have been discussing with clients about the benefits, potential benefits, of switching to a cash basis. So that's, that actually begs the question. I think our clients have great difficulty understanding the difference between cash and accrual. So would you want to just talk a, f- a little bit about I what that means? I have the foggiest idea what the difference between those two things is. <laughs> yeah, oh. so... Well... I can explain the difference. Well, here we have a business consultant. This is from the right. business standpoint. So we're, we're going to get the business consultant answer, and then we're going to get the, the accountant answer, and we're going to yes. see if they're the sure. same. So Great. the reason that one wants to analyze their business on an accrual basis is because an accrual, what accrual accounting is doing is trying to match the revenue and expenses in a given period of time, whether it's monthly, quarterly, yearly, based on the activities done in that time period. So if you're trying to compare one year to, to other years, if, you don't, or if you're not using the accrual basis, then you're comparing apples to oranges because when the cash comes in, could be very different from when the activity you actually performed. So, and you need to know why, you know, my revenue went up 20% last March, I mean, you know, this March from last March. Well, why? Something happened. You did something different or you got, you know, something happened. And what business decision are you going to make based on that? If you do it on a cash basis, you could have made the sale in January and you got paid in March. What, so what decision are you going to make? So the accrual basis counts the money when it's invoiced rather than when it's paid or when it's... Correct. It doesn't when count it's, the money. It counts the, the invoice sale. or the sale. Right. It counts as, as income when it's invoiced. Exactly. Correct. And, and the expense is when you incur the expense, not necessarily when you actually pay it. 
Wow. Hence, there's an accounts payable. I need to speak to my bookkeeper because that's very interesting. And your business <laughs> consultants. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, perhaps your accountant as well. I love that we do on-air business consulting between the co-hosts. <laughs> um, so, so in essence, as business consultants, we're always talking to our clients, okay, here's what you did in 2018. What are you expecting to do in 2019? And so... Um, the problem with the cash is that one month you collect a lot of money, one month you don't collect a lot of money. And if you keep uh, planning on that cash, what you really should be doing is planning for your collections, not for your business, but for collections. And you separate them. Right. And so we, do a, we also do a lot of cash flow planning for our clients. And um, we try and get them to think about the profit and loss on an accrual basis for management purposes and cash flow planning for running the business purposes to make sure there's enough money to pay payroll, rent, vendors, et cetera. See, and that, that actually is one of the places where we actually differ from the accountant. We're not talking about the tax implications. We're talking about what are the implications for running the business. I totally agree exactly with what you're saying. And, and we are very big preachers of running your books and records on an accrual basis. So uh, kudos to you in, uh, in doing that. Um, then from a tax basis perspective, so if you're an accrual basis taxpayer, and for most businesses that hopefully are running a, at a profit, if you have income or receivable of $100,000, and let's say you have no payables, so you have you invoice that, and on a book basis, you're showing that revenue, you're showing that income. If you pick that up for tax purposes, you owe, let's say, 50% between federal, state, and city on that $100,000. You owe taxes on that money. Well, And you, haven't, you, cl- and you haven't collected exactly. yet. Exactly. So I had a client that, take those numbers, they were at like $3 million of profit, And the owner had a million and a half dollars and they came to us. They were almost broke, really successful business. And the the owners were were taking money, were borrowing money. They were doing payment plans with the IRS. It was insane because they didn't have money to pay their taxes. The accountant is telling them that they needed to be on an accrual basis, which they didn't need to be, and uh, for tax purposes. And they have these huge profits on monies that they don't have. It was insanity. So that's where an accrual basis, if you are a profitable company, you're paying taxes on money that you have not yet received, potentially. Terrible way to, to run. And so now the a benefit... Accrual basis. Accru- it's accrual, accounting. It's very a cruel, cruel world, you know? Um, so now what the IRS has allowed you to do is under, any business under $25 million you can become, if you're paying taxes on an accrual basis and, and before, you can switch over to a cash basis. What a cash basis means is that you're simply taking the, picking up the income and the expense when either you receive the money or when you pay it. Most businesses, small, small businesses, it's beneficial to be on a cash basis. So I pay something, for, I get the For benefit. tax purposes. For tax purposes, excuse me. So uh, for tax planning, I can plan to pay or prepay expenses at the end of a year, prepay rent, prepay insurances, prepay people. And I take that as a business expense in the year that I take that, in the year that I am taking that uh, or or paying that. So from a tax planning perspective, I can properly do that. Where on an accrual basis, even if I'm prepaying something, it's not an expense in that year. It's 
for the following year. So you still. don't ever want to do that in general? I've, unless, and, and in 20 years, the funniest thing, but I have a couple of clients, and again, just very rarely, that to say we don't want to be on an accrual basis, on a cash basis, because it would hurt us. We're getting prepayments. They, we have gym memberships that they pay us 12 months in advance. So we have at any point half a million dollars sitting in unearned revenue. So if we go to cash basis, we got to pick that up as income. That doesn't benefit us. So they want to stay. It's unbelievable, but yeah, it, it makes sense. So it's on a client by client basis to make sure. But for the most part, most businesses will be better off being on a cash basis and save money on being on a for cash tax basis. purposes. For tax purposes, absolutely so, right. So just a, a moment. Uh, talk about sales tax. What about it? <laughs> I love it. Everybody loves sales do, tax. Do we have to pay it? <laughs> we, we don't have to pay. We have to collect it and remit it to the but, government. But uh, you actually have to pay the sales tax when you invoice. Am I correct? So yes, governments want that and that is um what they're looking for when you uh, submit the invoice to collect or or pay the sales tax but again in the same light i could have a hundred thousand dollar invoice where i have a nine percent sales tax so i have a nine thousand dollar sales tax i haven't collected a dollar from the client yet and i have to remit that to to the state most clients, and you multiply that times 15, 20 clients uh, in your business, and you're remitting $100,000 in sales tax to the government that you may not have that money. So what I, in my experience, the government wants that. If you establish paying your sales tax on a cash basis, meaning that you're paying when you receive the money, and you can, upon audit, show that that's the way I've consistently done it. So not... This week, I like being on accrual. Next week, I like being on a cash. The week after, I don't want to pay it at all. If you, if you can consistently show that I'm paying it on a cash basis, under audit, they will allow you to continue doing that, even though it's incorrect. But you could go bankrupt, never collecting your money. It would be, it's detrimental to businesses. So, yes. Got or it. have to take out some you know lo- loans at some incredible rate just to cover your... If you can get a loan. Right, exactly. Yeah. So... In 2019, um, you know, there's all these tax law changes. When, you know, the, and their and owners are making decisions every day about their business and and when should they stop and say, "Gee, I should call my accountant and find out am I doing this the right way?" As soon as possible. <laughs> that's that's why you have an accountant. Uh, and if you don't, uh, and and you're listening. And any of this is resonated. I mean, you know, back to the importance of calculating this 20% um, deduction. Is it right? Is it not right? It's important to, it is important to do it properly because without it, the IRS has come out with, with part of their regulations. They're, they're going to hit you with the tax. They're going to hit you with penalties and interest. So you want to make sure that this is done properly. As far as tax planning goes, it's never too early to do it. And, and I see clients now planning. This was an 18 law. I'm talking to people about planning for 19 now because if you know that you're closing in, as we discussed before, that you're going to be around that phase-out number or trying to get under a certain number so that you can qualify for that 20%. Things to consider, 
paying, you know, if you're on a cash basis, paying for your expenses up front, doing a defined benefit plan. Do it, you can start, there's no reason that you can't start early. It's a lot better and you give yourself a lot more runway with eight, nine, 10 months and of a runway and trying to figure out what you're doing than having to try to do it in two or three weeks or two or three days. It's too late at that point. Right. Well, I guess this has uh, been really fascinating. So I want to say to our listeners out there that um, we probably covered quite a bit, really good in this period of time, a lot. And a lot of it was relatively complicated. But um, you can always listen to the podcast over and over. <laughs> and anytime you miss something, you can, you can hear it again. So, or you can call us. Or you can call us. That's a good thing too, Joe. And, and please do seek professional help with this stuff. Don't just listen to this podcast and think you're now empowered to file your own taxes. <laughs> good. That's a good, that's a good thing to say. And so Absolutely. David, mind your own business. Well, mind your own business, but also get someone like Joe to mind your business. <laughs> there you go. Joe, you're going to mind everyone else's business. Joe, thank you for helping us mind our own business taxes. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Thanks. A lot. That's great. Thanks for listening to mind your own business with Mike and Matt. My co-hosts as always are Mike Gansel and Matt Plosiak of Voice of Reason Consulting, www.voiceofreasonconsulting.com. I'm David Hoffman, and I produced today's show with the assistance of Paul Malone. It was recorded by Austin Cologne. You can learn more about my business at citizenracecar.com. Special thanks to Boucher and Company for hosting us for today's recording session. You can learn all about the wonderful work they do in social media marketing at B-O-U-C-H-E-R-O-C-O.com. Today's Mind Your Own Business is brought to you by Audible, where you can get the free audiobook of your choice by signing up for a no-cost 30-day membership at audibletrial.com slash M-Y-O-B. That's audibletrial.com slash M-Y-O-B. Never miss an episode of Mind Your Own Business by subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and many of your other favorite podcasting apps. Find those links at racecarradio.com slash mindyourownbusiness. You can also follow us on social media at MYOB Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. Mind Your Own Business with Mike and Matt is a production of Race Car Radio, www.racecarradio.com.